0: Welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews, and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. Hello everyone and welcome to this which is going to be my last podcast episode for this wild and crazy year that's been 2020 and here in Australia it's summer, I'm in beautiful Perth where the sun's shining, it's a mild summer day here and there's a lot of optimism in the world despite the fact that we've had a lot of disruption and change this year. And of course, a lot of people have been through a lot of pain and hardship this year as a result of the pandemic, the health crisis, the economic crisis, and the social crisis. But there are also some really positive signs ahead. Australia as a country has done amazingly well in managing these crises. In fact, I had a look recently at the biggest economies in the world. And if you look at the top 20 economies in the world, uh, Australia has done outstandingly well. So we're about 13th or 14th in the world, depending on how you ask, in terms of the size of our economy. But if you look at those top 20, there's only been about a handful of countries that have managed to successfully manage the the health crisis that this pandemic's created. China is number one and it's way out in front. But the only other countries in that top 20 that have done reasonably well are Australia, South Korea and Japan and you can argue that there may be reasons for that. We're an island, we're a very big landmass for a small population and so on. But we've also, as a community, as a country and with our leadership, made some difficult but decisions that have meant that we're coming out the other side of this better than many other parts of the world. So I feel very lucky and I hope that you do too. So, for this last podcast episode, uh, what I'm going to do is share some of the quotations that I use in my presentation. So in many of my presentations this year, I'll share one or two quotations and uh, it depends whether I'm talking about innovation or change or decision making or uncertainty about the future or long-term planning and so I'm going to share with you some of those favourite quotations that I've got and I've I've decided that I'm going to share 12 of them. Uh, My initial idea was this is going to be the 12 days of Christmas but I'm sure it won't take you 12 days to listen to all of these. So my hope is that you get three things from this. So first, when I share a quotation, I hope it inspires you or resonates with you in some way. Second, I hope it gives you a way to change your perspective and think differently about what that can mean for you. And third, I'll tell you the message that I share with my clients in my presentations from the quotation in a really practical way so that you can apply it to your own life as well. It's only going to be about a minute or two for each of these and I hope you find them useful and you get some ideas that you can take away and use in your professional life and also in your personal life. In September, I delivered a keynote presentation in person to 750 people and these were 750 emergency service providers, I think firefighters and marine rescue people. And if you cast your mind back to the start of the year, Even before the pandemic, some of them were facing the worst bushfires ever. And that happened at the start of the year. And then, of course, that was followed by the pandemic. And as part of my presentation, I asked them to look ahead and choose their theme song for 2021. And I gave them some examples. Would it be wistful, like Cher's If I Could Turn Back Time? Or uh, maybe it would be defiant, like Elton John's I'm Still Standing? Or maybe a little bit more optimistic and happy, like Pharrell Williams' Happy. And they had some amazing responses and we had a lot of fun with the idea and me, it made me think about what my theme song might be and what I might choose for Australia if I had to choose a, a theme song for us. And of course the pandemic's affected us in different ways and for some people it has been a major disaster because uh, of course... At the worst end, COVID-19 has claimed many lives, people have lost their jobs, businesses have shut down, and mental health issues have just exploded this year. And without diminishing the pain and hardship that many people have suffered, I also want to recognise the amazing resilience and strength that we've seen in our communities, our colleagues, our families, our friends, and perhaps even in ourselves. And in her song, Just Give Me a Reason, Pink says, We're not broken, just bent. And I think that's a pretty good theme song for many of us. The pandemic might have bent us, but we're not broken and we will rise up stronger than ever before. So if you had to choose a mantra to start the recovery, maybe this is a good start. But I don't want to tell you what's right for you. What would be your theme song for 2021 and beyond? This quotation is one that I've been using for years, but especially during this topsy-turvy time that we've been having in 2020. And uh, it's been around for a while and you might have heard some version of it already. It's from the 19th century from Ian McLaren, and it goes like this. Be kind, for everybody you meet is fighting a hard battle. And this is always relevant. It's always been relevant, but it's especially relevant now. The pandemic's been a triple threat for for many of us. It's created a health crisis, an economic crisis, and a social crisis. And everybody's been affected differently by it. And unless you really know somebody's circumstances well you probably don't know what battle they're really fighting behind the scenes. It's difficult to tell on the surface. And I was reminded of this myself recently. I was talking to a friend and complaining about the the way that some people are just breaking the rules around social distancing and other things and putting other people at risk. And, And look, this might be true, but I must admit now I was coming on too strong. And my friend gently reminded me that perhaps I was being too judgmental. And he was right and had forgotten my own advice to other people to be kind because when everything is normal it's easier to assess other people's behavior because we can judge it by our generally accepted standards. We know broadly what's right and wrong, what's acceptable and how unacceptable but when we go through massive change and we don't have those external standards to guide us it's too easy to judge people by our standards without knowing anything about them and their circumstances. This advice is good advice at any time, but especially now. Be kinder, be more compassionate and be more empathetic with other people. You'll be a stronger leader for your team, your family, your friends and your community. We like to think that we're logical and rational people who always make the best decision based on the evidence in front of us, but it's not true. To some extent, we always act in our own self-interests. And I love this quotation from American author Upton Sinclair, who says, "...it's difficult to get somebody to understand something when their salary depends on them not understanding it." Let me say that again. "...it's difficult to get somebody to understand something when their salary depends on them not understanding it." And you might smile or even laugh, but it's true. And it's especially true in times of uncertainty and change. Even when we have all the facts and the logic, we don't always make rational choices. I remember many years ago, my dad saying to me, we're not a rational species, we're a rationalizing species. And that's true. And we can take this on board in two ways. So first, if you're trying to influence somebody, Keep in mind that they might have a mental block because their salary depends on holding on to their beliefs. Of course, it might not literally be their salary. It could be their reputation, their standing in the community, their self-esteem, anything else that could suffer if they change their mind, change their viewpoint, even let in a different way of thinking. So you might need to influence, persuade or convince them in some other way. Second, recognise this in yourself as well. What are you resisting, avoiding or ignoring because it could threaten you in some way? We all have blind spots and knowing them will help you make better decisions in the future. Of course, one of the best-known sayings about adapting to change is from Charles Darwin, the father of evolutionary science. And he said this, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives, it's the one that's the most adaptable to change. And we sometimes hear this abbreviated to survival of the fittest. And you may have heard that. Darwin says survival of the fittest, survival of the fittest. That's okay, but just be careful if you use this phrase survival of the fittest, because many people misunderstand what it means. First, and this is just a technicality, it wasn't Darwin who first said it. It was one of his contemporaries, Herbert Spencer. But when Darwin heard that, he definitely liked it and he endorsed it. But also be careful about the phrase, because in Darwin's day, fittest didn't mean the same as we apply today. We think of fittest now as the strongest or the the most athletic in the physical sense, but that's not what Darwin and Spencer meant. In their day, fittest meant the one who could best fit the environment. Think of it like a jigsaw puzzle. We're always looking for the fittest piece to use in a particular place. And that's exactly what we need now in a changing and a changed world. We need to be a good fit for our environment. And if the environment has changed, we need to change. So what are you doing to adapt to the change? Are you going to be the fittest so that you can not just survive, but thrive? When I do scenario planning with leaders and business owners, helping them with their strategic planning for the future, we look at external situations that might have an impact on their organisational team. And I often start this session by introducing this quotation from Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien from The Hobbit, and he says... It does not do to leave a live dragon out of your calculations if you live near him. Now, that sounds obvious, doesn't it? But so many people are so focused on what's happening only in their own organisation that they just don't consider the live dragons that they might meet on the journey. And even if they do look up and look outside, they might only think about what's happening in the rest of their industry. But if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that something external Even if it's totally outside, your business, your industry, your country can cause massive disruption. So when you're doing any planning, I encourage you to scan wider. It's obviously, it's good to understand where you are now and it's important to know the next steps in your plan. But don't plan that journey in isolation. Take some time to understand the live dragons that might derail you on the journey. And you never know, they're not always bad. They might even help you. We always rely on our past experience to guide our future decisions. But in a fast-changing world, that's not always the best option. And this next quotation is attributed to Josh Billings or sometimes Mark Twain, but Billings seems to be the most reliable source for it. He says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Now, you might need to think about that. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. This is all about questioning your assumptions. We all use our experience to guide us to make decisions. And then that good decision-making leads to building good judgment. And that, in turn, eventually builds wisdom. But that only works if your experiences from the past are still relevant for the future. And if the world has changed... Those experiences, decisions, judgment and wisdom can lead us astray if we're not careful. And it's very difficult to dislodge the things that we know for sure from our brains, especially if they've always served us well in the past. So, especially in this fast-changing world, think like a beginner, question your assumptions and be willing to let go of things that just ain't so anymore. While we're on the topic of changing your mind, here's one of my favorite quotations from economist John Maynard Keynes. He said, When my information changes, I change my mind. Why, what do you do, sir? I remember going out to lunch once with my stepdaughter, Abby, and she took a photo of her food when it arrived, as all young people do. I think it's the law. And I asked her whether she was posting it on Snapchat, because I knew that she and her friends used Snapchat to share what was happening in their day. But she said, oh, no, no, we don't use Snapchat anymore. Instagram has a new stories feature, which is better. So we've all switched to Instagram now. And I was really intrigued by that. And I thought, when was the last time I made that kind of change? As humans, we don't like to change our minds, especially in public. In fact, politicians and public figures are often criticised for it. We say they're wishy-washy, or they're back-flipping, or they are backflipping, or they can not be trusted. And as we get older and presumably wiser, we think that we know what's, what's good, what's right, what's true. But in this year in particular, we've seen so many changes to the things that we take for granted. We're always getting new information and we should be willing to change our mind. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. It's not being weak, it's being flexible. It's not backing down, it's being well informed. And it's not being wishy-washy, it's adapting to change. In a fast-changing world that's full of uncertainty, many people get stuck and paralysed when it comes to taking action. They don't know what the future holds, so they don't know what direction to take, and so they don't do anything. Of course, that's not literally true because doing nothing is still a decision, and sometimes it's the right decision, but it shouldn't be your only decision. It's better to make a decision, take some action, and then reevaluate. Uh, author Maya Angelou puts it this way, I did then what I knew how to do, now that I know better, I do better. And when I talk to leaders and teams about decision-making, I teach them a little skill called ooching. Ooching is a term from sailing, and it happens when you're out on the water and the wind completely drops and you are becalmed, and you don't know what to do. So what do you do? You ooch. And ooching simply means do anything try something and see what happens and based on that decide what to do next if the if your ooching helps you and it takes you in the direction you want to go then maybe do a little bit more of that if it takes you in a different direction then maybe try something else and if it doesn't do anything try something else but ooching is a really valuable thing that you can do now to make a decision and take the next step and now that you know better you can then do better Towards the end of World War II, the USA asked UK Prime Minister Winston Churchill what help he and their allies in Europe needed in the war effort. And Churchill famously replied, give us the tools and we will finish the job. I love that. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. And I share this story a lot when working with leaders because it's so relevant for delegating authority, for leveraging the skills of your team members and for building a culture of empowerment. And it's also especially true now, whether you're in crisis, recovery or growth, the journey isn't yours alone. You shouldn't take on all the responsibility and you shouldn't have to. Surround yourself with smart, savvy, talented people who know how to finish the job and sometimes even better than you could if they had the tools. So give them the tools and let them finish the job. And by the way, when I say surround yourself, that doesn't mean you need to go out and recruit new people for your team, your community, or even get new friends. You already have these people. You just need to recognize them and give them what they need. Some people hate using sporting stories as analogies for business and life, and I don't use a lot of them. Um, You probably don't expect great wisdom from many sports people, and especially from boxers. But one of the quotations that I love and use whenever I'm working with leaders on scenario planning or thinking ahead or strategic thinking is this one from boxer Mike Tyson. He said, Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And it's so easy to think that there's no point planning now because there will always be something that comes along and punches you in the face. And remember the plans you made at the start of 2020? Who would have thought that this tiny, invisible to the naked eye biological organism would spread its way around the world and punch us all in the face? But here's the point. It's not true that you can't make plans. You must In fact, the biggest trap I see leaders fall into whenever they're facing uncertainty about the future is making their goals smaller and their plans shorter just because they can't predict what will happen in the next few months. That's the wrong approach. It's like starting out on a journey when there's fog in front of you and you're deciding what you're going to put in your backpack. Of course, you're not only going to put in the things that you need to take the first few steps. there's clarity you have to plan ahead and you're going to have a plan a and you're going to pack what you need for that but of course when there's uncertainty when there's fog that's clouding your vision then maybe you need a plan b c and d as well and know when you're willing to switch because something might come along and punch you in the face but that's no excuse for not making a plan I love sharing good ideas with people and I love consuming good ideas by reading, listening to podcasts, attending events, learning from coaches and mentors and in so many other ways and you might be the same. But remember what Benjamin Brewster said in the 19th century, in theory there's no difference between theory and practice but in practice there is. And I love that. It's a bit funny. It's a bit amusing, but there's some real wisdom to that as well. And one of my clients, Dr. Nikki Howe, who's the CEO of an aged care facility here in Perth, is my role model for this. Nikki is such an enthusiastic learner. She dives headfirst into any new learning opportunity. And I love that. But what I love even more is that she's even more enthusiastic about implementation. She immediately finds some way to put that learning into action. I remember when I was mentoring her a few years ago about leadership and influence, I knew I never had to check in with her about actions that she would take from a mentoring session. She would tell me sometimes on the very same day how she tried out an idea with her team and then she might even ask me for some immediate feedback on that and it was great. Most people aren't oriented that way, but it is a skill that you can learn and it's especially useful now. Trying stuff is good, not only because it helps to reinforce the learning, but it helps you understand how to make the idea work for you. You might find it's perfect. Run with it exactly as, you've, as you learned it. Or you might find it needs a few little tweaks to work in your situation and in, under your circumstances. Or you might find that it's completely useless, but that's useful to know as well. You won't know for sure until you put it into practice. I'm going to end with one of my favourite quotations. It's been a business mantra of mine for many years. See, I grew up in the 80s and my favourite actor at the time was Steve Martin. Well, my all-time favourite actor is Humphrey Bogart, but that's another story and he was way before my time. Anyway, when Steve Martin was once asked for the secret of his success, he said this, Be so good they can't ignore you. I loved this from the first time I heard it, be so good, they can't ignore you. Of course, it doesn't hurt that my favourite actor said it, but it's been a mantra of mine ever since. When I used to run a web design business, that was our tagline, be so good, they can't ignore you. When I started delivering keynote presentations and I was an unknown nobody among other speakers, I decided the best way to get noticed was that, be so good, they can't ignore you. But just be careful, because this is such a simple statement, it's easy to find fault with it. You might go, no, no, it's not just about being good, it's about being noticed. Or if you have enough money, you don't have to be that good, and so on. And that's fair enough, and if you really want to throw stones at it, you'll find plenty of ways to do it. All I will say in this instance is that when you say, be so good they can't ignore you, you get to decide what good is, and you get to decide who they are. So what does good mean for you in context? It might mean your technical competence or your interview skills if you're applying for a job or your number of social media followers. It might even be the amount of money you have. And who are they that you want to not ignore you? It's probably not the whole world. It might be your team, your boss, your friends, your kids, your partner, a prospective romantic partner you're trying to attract. Decide what's right and who's right for you and then be so good. They can't ignore you. So there you go. So there's a twelve of my favourite quotations, and these are all things that I share with my clients and audiences in presentations. I hope that you found a few of them at least that you can take away and use in your personal and professional life. And uh, I hope they resonate with you, change your perspective, and maybe give you some practical actions that you can use. If you want to share these with your team members or people in your community, feel free to do that. You can either tell them where they can listen to this podcast episode. Or I'm also planning to release these on my website and in my blog in video form. So each of them will be a short video with a quotation and me speaking. And you'll hear pretty much what I've said here today. But you can also have it in video form, in visual form, that you can then share with other people. So feel free to do that as well. As I said, this is my last podcast episode for 2020. So so before I say goodbye, let me wish you all the best for a safe and happy time over the Christmas season and over the summer holiday season here in Australia and wherever else you are around the world. And because we're talking about quotations today, let me be a little bit self-indulgent and finish with one of my quotations. This is from a book, Disruption by Design, which I published a year ago, and it's so relevant now for everything that's happened in 2020. And the key message of the book is that disruption and innovation are exactly the same thing. They're both about change. It's just disruption when it happens to you. It's innovation when you create the change yourself. And 2020, of course, has thrown us so many challenges and curveballs and lots of disruption in so many different ways. As we look forward to 2021, I think it's time for us to be proactive, get on the front foot and start innovating so that we can create the future that we really want. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you in the future. For show notes, past episodes and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.